0: What's up, everybody? Colter sports SkylineSportsMT.com. Big Sky Breakdown, collaboration style. It's been fun getting to know some of the other uh, podcasting aficionados. There's uh, several podcasts Uh, about Big Sky Conference football teams. Most of them from a fan angle, but I always like getting the other perspectives from around the league. One of the longstanding podcasts of Big Sky Conference uh, teams is Tubbs in the Club, which is a Idaho Vandals-based podcast, and uh, one that's actually been around since long before they rejoined the Big Sky Conference. And so I've hopped on there when they're about to play Montana schools, and this week Idaho is at Montana, so I joined uh, Dallas and Brian and uh, the boys to rap about the uh, upcoming coming matchup between the Grizzlies. And the Vandals. So that's what you'll hear here. This is uh they were the, the ones that hosted this thing. So you'll hear some of the some of their sponsors and some of uh their intro music and stuff like that. But fun being on and I appreciate them for letting us repurpose this thing as well. Uh, big Sea Breakdown, thanks to all of our great sponsors, Blackfoot Communications, Opportunity Bank, Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth, Town Pump Food Stores, J and V Restaurant Supply, The Hype House, Cycling and Strength Studio, the Hot House Yoga Studio, and Nutrition on Reserve. Appreciate all of those awesome sponsors. Now, for the continued support of us here at Skyline Sports, here's my appearance on Tubbs in the Club from earlier this week. We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, because here comes the soon. the
1: vandals of Idaho. welcome back mighty vandals to tubs at the club your vandal affiliate on the big sky podcast network i'm dallas hammer coming to you guys on the best day of the year tom DeLong rejoined blink 182 that's actually what we're going to be talking about today for the next four hours that's all not vandal football not grizzly football blink 182 i'm just kidding uh, Brian Marceau might be joining us he might not be who knows he might be lighting his computer on fire at this exact moment <laughs> who knows But we do have with us producer seducer Martin Heemstra Martin how's it going down in the Moscow it's doing good it's a Tuesday night and uh, everything's all right in Moscow right now and last but certainly not least joining us from Skyline Sports in Montana the one the only Coulter Nuanez Coulter, so happy to have you back how you been
0: Good guys. Thanks for doing this with me. Always fun. I, you know, I didn't know that about blink One Eighty Two. Uh, so good tidbit. I'm also here to figure out, uh, where Idaho ranks in the, uh, the big sky conference band power rankings. They have to be up there. Uh, they, they always have a great band, uh, in Boise. You know, you notice these kind of things when you sit at an arena in Boise for 10 hours a day for seven days in a row. Uh, I also want to know, though, what should I ask John Freeze? So we'll get to that. He's coming on my radio show later this week. So I need some advice uh, for our ESPN roundtable this week.
1: That's a good one. You can see, obviously, there's a great Hall of Fame career as Vandal. There's also all the NFL stuff you could talk about. I mean, if it were me, I've always wanted to ask him, what does it mean to be one of the handful of jerseys Idaho's retired? There's only a couple Mm -hmm. of them. Yeah. How did what did it mean to to be retired as one of the greatest to ever walk the the vaunted halls of the Kibbe Dome?
0: Yeah, that's an interesting one because that's such an interesting dynamic in college football now, right? Is schools would retire jerseys all the way up until like the mid '90s, and then they're like, "Well, we can't run out of numbers," so every school has like these two, three, four jerseys that are retired. Those guys are just like immortal forever, right? Like it's Dave Dickinson at Montana and you know, Bill Kohler at Montana State. But guys, but now here we are like 25, 30, 40, 50 years ago that they played. So that's interesting, though. That's a good one for John Freeze for sure.
1: Or uh, Mark Trivelpiece, the owner of the infamous corner, corner club or f- famous corner club, depending on how you want to approach it, uh, saying, ask him his favorite club story. And I think that is that is probably one that should be aired on Tubbs at the Club. But hey, if you want to get it for your radio show, go right ahead, Coulter. This is Around the Bar brought to you by Hughes River Expedition. Let's just jump right into it. We're talking little Brownstein. That's what Coulter's here for. We're here to pick your brain. You can pick our brains. Not that there's a whole lot going on here between Martin and I. No offense, Martin, but I'm not the smartest dude in the room. Brian's our our professor. So without Brian, we'll try to make it seem like we know what we're doing. This is, again, Around the Bar brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. We're talking Montana, number two in the coaches poll, number three in the stats poll. Coulter, you're the expert. What do we need to know about Montana?
0: Well, it's been a fascinating Grizz season already because, uh, I mean, as a lot of Idaho people know, Montana has ex- exceedingly high expectations always as a fan base. I think that's what, what happens when you roll like Montana did for, you know, a good probably 25-year span. I mean, between 2000 2009, the Grizz won 119 games. That's the most by any college football program ever in a 10-year span like that until North Dakota State came around this last 10 years. And so the, the fan base got spoiled. But I think that people want to say the Grizz have national championship expectations uh, every year, but it's only been really realistic. This, I mean, this year is the first year it's been re- been realistic in the last 12, 13 years. I mean, this is the first really good team that Bobby Hauk has had since he's been back. The Grizz have been good. They've, they've been good the last couple of years, but they have not been, like, outstanding. What what their level of, of expectation is, they haven't been there yet. And I think they are this year. But I also find this game this week fascinating because the Grizz uh, have looked incredibly good in certain areas. I think they also still have pretty defined weaknesses. And they haven't played anybody. I mean, I think people wanted to believe that South Dakota and Portland State are better than they are. I think they're fine. Teams, but I, I would like to believe that that Idaho is better than those teams, and uh, so I think it's fun. You know, there's a jolt of energy there at Idaho with Jason Eck at the helm, and I think that makes Idaho more interesting, which I think is then in turn way better for the league because it's, it makes so many of these games way more intriguing. And so I, I think this is an interesting one because I, I think that this Grizz team they're battling two different things right now. They're battling sort of this this hype machine that keeps building, uh, and they're also battling their own expectation. Because I do think that Bobby Houck knows, you know, this this is by no means like his last chance to make a run at Montana. This is his last chance to make a run with his son as a senior captain and an All-American candidate. Though it's one done. That's all they got. So they're definitely trying to to roll as hard as they possibly can. Did the guy make it? Did 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 you get in? There's nothing worse than technological struggles. I feel bad for you, buddy.
2: Yeah, dude. So I have heard heard nothing. I'm stoked to interrupt the flow of talking about a football game so I can now go for 45 minutes on my tech troubles. But uh, yeah, it's been 30 minutes. I can't fucking hear a thing, but I'm back. So, hey, good to see everyone. Coulter, whatever you're talking about, please keep going.
0: I was just talking about just Montana sort of battling the weight of their own expectations because I think that, Nothing is going to be good enough for the Grizz this season except for truly going undefeated and, and making a run all the way to the national championship. I think that is truly their internal expectation. I think that's largely the external expectation. But I also think it's uh, it's just interesting that Idaho just seems like a totally rejuvenated program. And it's crazy. I mean, it's not like they have – no offense to you guys, but not like they have some powerhouse wins. I mean, I think NAU is all right. It's a tough place to play. Okay. Uh, I don't think Northern Colorado is good. And, uh, you know, Drake's Drake. They don't really have much of a football uh, tradition since Rob Ash left there some 15-something years ago. But I do think Idaho's a lot better. And I, But I also think more than anything, they're a lot more interesting. You know, it's like an old athletic director told me once upon a time, it's not necessarily about winning. It's about the hope of winning. And Idaho's had the hope of winning, but now they have a guy who actually, like, ignites that hope. And I think it just makes – Idaho and this matchup with Montana just that much more interesting.
1: So I'll I'll lead the next one to to give Brian kind of a, a second to to find his footing here, Coulter. What is it about this team? You said that this might be the team that that really can compete for for a title. What is it specifically about this year's Grizz team that that separates themselves from from maybe the other teams in how second run here?
0: I think a lot of different things. I mean, I think that this is. Uh, a pretty large and very talented group of seniors. I think Patrick O'Connell, the outside linebacker, uh, pass rushing specialist, I think he's playing at uh, as high of a level as any defensive guy I've seen at Montana, honestly. I think he's one of the best Excuse me, guys coming off the edge that they've ever had. and uh, He's surrounded, though, by a bunch of really veteran players. For those that have studied the Grizz or watched the Grizz, they run this really unorthodox, really, really high-pressure defense. They, they blitz on like 80% of their plays, but that's also because they run a three man front. They stun a lot with it. They're basically bringing five or bringing six all the time. And the fact that they've upgraded their secondary has made it a lot more uh, feasible, a lot more plausible, but you know, like just with everything in life, your greatest strength is your greatest weakness, right? And their aggressiveness is their greatest strength. It's also their greatest weakness. I think that attacking Montana's defense is defined. You attack the middle of the defense, with, you know, an intermediate to deep passing game. And the, the three teams that did that last year, Sac State, Eastern Washington, and James Madison, they beat the Grizz. Because it's not as if the, the, uh, the Grizz are just completely immune to giving up big plays. They just play so hard. And that's what I think has made this team so good, though, is now they have seriously 25 guys that are drilled for multiple years in this crazy system where you just sprint to a spot. You just fill a gap. You know, every it's pure chaos where it's organized cast. They have so many guys that can do it now, which is very impressive. It's very impressive to watch them practice. I mean, they were one of the most fun teams to watch practice of any team I've ever covered, uh, just because they do have so much depth and they rotate so many guys. But then I think the other part that that makes them a real contender is I think they have true explosive abilities on offense. And I think that that comes from, first, the addition of um, Lucas Johnson, the the grad transfer quarterback from San Diego state. Uh, and then I also think it comes from the fact that, you know, last year they were so banged up at running back, but then a lot of young guys got reps. And then all of a sudden now you got your main dudes back in Marcus Knight and Nick Osmo, Xavier Harris is a sophomore and boom. Now you got three really good running backs and it's just across the board. They've done a great job with depth. Uh, you know, for as much as Bobby Houck says, he hates the transfer portal. I mean, they got 11 transfers starting out of there, 22 starters. So you know, he's he's feasted on the transfer portal, done a really good job bringing guys in. And I, then I think their biggest X factor is, I think that they're inarguably the best team in the country on special teams. I think that they change games with their special teams more than any team that I've seen in the big sky in a long time. I mean, they've already blocked two kicks this year. They've already taken a punt back for a touchdown. They almost house another kick. I mean, Bobby Houck is good for two, three, four returns for touchdowns every year. That's a tried and true from his time between Montana the first time, UNLV, uh, San Diego State, and then now back at Montana. So, uh, but, th- but that's not to say, I, you know, people have asked me, is this the best Grizz team ever? I don't think that they are. I-, I think that they're a long ways from that. If they keep winning, they can get into that territory. But they're not there yet for me. But I do think this is the most complete team coach halk has had in his second stint at montana and i also think that uh this is the best team the grizz have had since probably last decade since probably bobby halk's first stint uh, at montana
2: yeah offensively is one of the things to me that stands out this year i mean look last year the grizz were a final eight team and honestly compared to the top half of the big sky Montana's pretty shitty offensively. Oh I mean, no, Montana
0: was bad offensively for last yeah, especially, year.
2: Especially, sure. especially when Chris Brown was in there. And look, Chris Brown sure. is n- not a put down to the dude, but in terms of productivity, like it clearly was not there. And Lucas Johnson has been, I mean, he looks like the perfect Bobby Hawke quarterback. And the dude's tough. He's a threat both on the ground and through the air. Um, he's not throwing like, you know, 35 times a game. because I, I don't think Bobby howe wants a team that, you know, plays like, you know, Eric Berrier last year or something like that. But Lucas Johnson's accurate. He can stretch the field, doesn't make a ton of mistakes. His accuracy is, you know, 67% right now. Uh, That's, I mean, all those things are a huge upgrade offensively relative to last season. And like you already hit, uh, Bobby Hawk teams are going to be good special teams. And defensively, now the Grizz certainly have not been tested this year. I'm not going to count Idaho State. Yeah, I know it was close. That was a 28 to six game until, you know, essentially mailing it at the end. Um, You know, this Grizz team hasn't, hasn't had a test like you know idaho looked fine against washington state not saying they're that good but hey they were tested and they looked okay uh idaho is going to be the first probably at least okay team in my mind that that's on Montana's schedule they have a pretty dang rough second half of the se- of the season coming up um but i guess that that to me the the test for Montana of, Hey, we're, we're playing a, they're playing a solid team and kind of the test for Idaho of, Hey, we Idaho looks good after winning the run of three, you know, an, an easy run of three games for Idaho, but Idaho won all the games convincingly. If Idaho's going to try to make a step into the top tier of the conference. No, I don't think people should assume they're there yet, but showing up against Montana for the first time since dropping down the big sky is that's where you got to do it.
0: Well, you, you can only beat who you play. Right. And you know, I, I I am fascinated by Idaho. You know, I, I try to get glimpses of as many of the big sky games as I can each week. And Andrew Houghton, who helps us at Skyline Sports, he does his big sky scramble every week where he, he kind of goes into the film and looks at some, you know, trends within trends or, or highlights within the game. that sort of uh, tell bigger stories from around the league. And that's that'll come up later on this week, by the way. But um, I – Try to watch a little bit of all the games, but you know, obviously focus heavily on the Montana schools. And I also, though, have watched Idaho three times, uh, pretty much the whole game. And, uh, they're, they're I mean, it's not just that they're pounding bad teams, like, they're, they look way better. Like, they look, they look way more organized, I guess is what I should say. Cause I, I've said this on this podcast before, like, Idaho bangs, man. They, they had been one of the most physical teams in the league since they came back in the league. And their best players, especially on defense, have been like, you're like, oh, that guy, I'm remembering him. He's like a first team all league guy. Like, Caden Ellis and Trey Walker were both like really good. Like, those guys would play at the schools we cover the most intensely for sure. Um, but they also just seem to lack discipline and uh, lack organization and lack creativity. And I think I've seen organization and creativity and, and those things when you watch Idaho early on here. So, I mean, I think Jason next doing a good job, and I know he's waited a long time to get this shot. And uh, I mean, I know he's only at Montana state for one year and Rob Ash, you know, has varying opinions about him around the state of Montana, mostly just because his record against the Grizz was skewed, but Ash was a guy who was a head coach for 40 years and he's kind of the head coach of the head coaches. Right. And uh, I mean, that's what he was. He was the president of the American football coaches association a good guy to be connected to, I guess is what I'm saying. And and I know that Eck wanted to learn from Ash that one year. And then also he gets to go learn for uh, under John Stiglmeier, who who's one of the longest tenured coaches and and a guy who's done a hell of a job at South Dakota State. So I, I think that Eck, Eck is a guy that's waited his turn for a little while, and I, I think it's cool to see that he's got an opportunity. I don't know what Idaho is going to be like by the end of this year but I do think that he will get Idaho going a little bit and I I don't know how long it'll take, but I think that, I mean, he already has them going a little bit. I think they look pretty good.
1: Well, they, they look pretty good with mostly the same players from last season. It's really just been a change in the coaching staff. Obviously there's some new faces. uh, Anthony Woods probably being the most, known of all of them being a true freshman leading the oh, team in rushing but
0: oh, what about johnson is he from uh, is he a transfer too? jeremy, uh, jeremy I mean, jackson was actually yeah, right.
1: a petrino a petrino guy transferred he in
0: a, he was a jc guy under petrino though
1: yeah right? okay, yep. uh, the spring season played maybe four snaps and tore his acl uh and then has been oh, on the shelf for a couple years so um a lot of these guys that are making strides are petrino's guys so for sure gotta give Ek- Ek that credit in that this team seems to be much more prepared um, and much more much more soundly coached than they had been in the past. Um, but the I guess kind of what's the what's the story we should be looking out for? for um I'll go to Brian first and then Colter I'll let you react. Brian what's what's kind of the story of this game for Idaho? If Idaho's gonna win or maybe if Idaho gets blown out, what's what's the big story that's gonna happen in this game?
2: Well this is Idaho's chance to assert itself within the big sky as having a- ascended Look, we we've talked on this show. Colter already brought it up. You're right. You only play who you can play, and Idaho did beat the shit out of the three teams that that Idaho beat. But for Idaho to start winning game to to be contending for the playoffs, we have to pick off two wins against a combination of Montana, Sac State, Eastern Washington, UC Davis, for to get to that seven. And hanging tough with beating or hanging tough with Montana, I think would be a huge step for idaho in terms of fcs legitimacy we're already we're just outside the top 25 receiving votes and having a strong showing against you a know, top top five team in the in the nation and also one of the prestige uh, programs in the nation i mean that's a story is idaho's our idaho for the first time in forever look we've had idaho's has three road games idaho's shown up for all three that did that has not happened since idaho's been in the big sky but in FCS games, close, like, like hanging tough against WSU, it's not going to be enough. Idaho needs to actualize some of these um, efforts against the better teams. And a win against Montana would be a huge symbolic step, a literal and symbolic step forward for Idaho, uh, which also for Montana, the separate question is, this is the first kind of test of playing a team that looks like they could be pretty good for the Grizz. Everyone knows they're good, but it is the first time, and we are kind of halfway through the season.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I think that Paul Petrino, for for all of his faults, he was one of the hardest coaches in the league to blow out. <laughs> and the, the one – like, the, I just watched them against Montana State. So I guess maybe my memory is skewed because I only watched them play, like, one-point games against the Cats live like three times. There was the close one, Jeff Choate's first game. I think it was the year or maybe two years before Idaho came back to the league. And uh, then there was the one point game in Bozeman uh, when Mason Petrino completed like a million passes, for like 200 yards. And uh, (laughs) Troy Anderson was playing quarterback and the cats had the ball for like 18 minutes and they, they still won the game somehow. Um, But I, I guess what I'm saying is that the, the one, guy who loves blowing out Idaho is Bobby Hauk, And they've blown out Idaho a couple times since Idaho has been back in the league. Uh, so
2: only three in three years.
0: Right. <laughs> right. Uh, I know I do think it is important for Idaho to be, at least have a semblance of, uh, competitiveness in this game. But, um, I don't know. I also think it's gonna be so interesting to see like, like the Grizz just avalanched, uh, Portland State. Portland State came out with a good game plan It was hanging tough for the first quarter and a half, and then it was just boom. Once the momentum shifted, that's what I'm so interested in to see in Idaho because Idaho actually can handle, has been able to handle that at moments in time against the Grizz in the past. Uh, I just want to see how they handle it on Saturday. More importantly, I want to see how Eck handles it. I want to see how the coaching staff handles it because he's been here, he's been to Missoula before, but a uh, whole different scenario when you're talking about as a head coach for the Vandals.
1: To me, the, the whole story of this game is just the pressure is on for Idaho. This is the first game to me that has felt like this truly matters. This truly is the game where the season can change. Uh, losing to I, Indiana and Washington State, they're Power 5 schools. You you expect to lose those. You expect to get your shit handed to you in those. Uh, let's, Petrino was quite known for that, even when they were in FBS school, just getting blown out by Power 5 schools fighting against those two teams, tough, really awesome. But at the end of the day, it's a loss and you expect those losses. The next three games, Drake, Northern Colorado, Northern Arizona. Yes. Northern Arizona is, you know, the kind of the, the back marker you look to be better than and say, if you're better than Northern Arizona, you're at least mediocre. But Drake is, is Drake. They're not particularly known for football. And then Northern Colorado is the worst team in the league other than Idaho state. So, this is the first game for Idaho that means something. If you if you show up to this game, maybe if you don't even win it, but you you have that moral victory where you show up, you fight for all four quarters and you don't get blown out like you typically have been since you returned to the FCS. That's a that's a sign for Idaho that this is a team that that can compete for a playoff spot. For Montana, I look at this as this is the this is the, the put up or shut up moment. If you don't come out and and look really good against Idaho, are you really the national championship contender that that you're trying to be. This is the game that you kind of have to prove. You've played three cream puffs and two mediocre to bad teams this year in South Dakota and Portland State. This is this is that time to, to kind of prove it. What's what's gonna be kind of the X factor in this game? Uh, maybe one from each team. Uh, Brian, who are you thinking? Well,
2: the, the first matchup I'm looking at is uh, Montana at this point is giving up 2.2 yards per rush on the season. Uh, it's understood Montana's a very good defensive team and Jason Eck, though he is flexible at play calling. We've seen, we've seen him, Luke Schleisner respond to if the team cannot rush as well, uh, opening up pass play pass plays a little bit more, but we also know, look, Idaho's calling around, not quite two rushes per pass, but around like one and a half rushes per pass. Jason Eck's been open since his first press conference about the team uh, wanting to establish the run and, I guess if Idaho can run on Montana is the first thing I'm looking at. And second, if Montana handles Idaho's rush attack, like Montana's handled most rush attacks this season for most games, um, how quickly will Luke Schleisner and co uh, open up the playbook and see if Giovanni McCoy can beat Montana? Because like Colton, you already talked about intermediate to deep passes is how you is the best recipe offensively going against Montana. I know teams in the past have had success specifically targeting Robbie Houck. Um, In in the passing game, Eric Berry is an example, but Eric Berry is also a different kind uh, in terms of talking about big sky quarterback. So I guess that initial matchup of strength of Idaho rushing against an extreme strength, Montana, uh, stopping the run.
0: I mean, that's spot on. I mean, the Grizz are going to erase the run. That's what they do. They completely sell out. I mean, their scheme is so, uh, it's so easy to define in its, in its ultimate goals, even if it's hard to define like what the, actual schematics are, because it is very complex to all the zone blitzing and stuff that they do. But they're erasing the run. They're challenging you on the outside. They're going to hit your quarterback every single time he drops back. Can the kids stand in there make a throw down the middle of the field? Can you exploit them over the top? Can you – I mean, they, they play three safeties all the time. So you can get a one-on-one matchup against Robbie Houck or Nash Fouch or Garrett Graves or whoever it is, and can you win? And, you know, when it's Tololo Limu Jones catching passes from Eric Verrier, you can win. You know, when it's those stutter receivers from James Madison, you're catching passes from Cole Johnson, you can win. And so can Giovanni McCoy stand in there? I think that's uh, the key for Idaho. For the Grizz, I think it's – Hey,
2: one more thing there too, Cole, just before you go. Part of why I reference play calling is if you haven't watched all Idaho games, the Schleissner has been slowly letting McCoy pass a little bit more. Uh, he, McCoy was certainly protected a ton in terms of play calling in the first cu- in the first couple weeks. Northern Colorado to me was the gate was one of the first games where it felt like truly they chose to lean on McCoy a little bit. So like you can see building trust, but we we haven't yet seen an Idaho game where it was clear that the team understood heading in throwing the balls how they're going to be successful.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think they'll know right away that's the way that they can beat Montana because. I mean, the only mismatches they're going to have on offense is their receivers on the perimeter, maybe. Uh, yeah, But they ha- they're they going to have to find out. They're going to have to test it. I think the biggest challenge for the Grizz is Bobby Houck is so calculated in the way that he coaches his teams and the way he tries to build momentum within the scope of the season. And yeah, sometimes that calculation goes overboard into arrogance, thinking he can control everything. But in terms of the formula that he had for this team, the the entire goal was to be going into the Sac State game six and zero, having blown out everybody that they've played, and it hit a little bit of a hiccup last week, not blowing out Idaho State. I mean, they were a couple yards away from being up thirty five six, and then probably kind of push it to even make it worse than that. But um, the the first part of this. Grand plan that Bobby Alk has. It, it starts with Idaho, and uh, you, so you can't you can't be looking ahead to Sac State, You can't be looking ahead to Weaver State. That's the pivotal uh, stretch of Montana's season if they really are to you know chase a top two seed and home field advantage and all the things they think they need to truly make a run at a national title. So um, it starts it starts with this game, and so I just think they can't. I, I don't think that they will, but I, I think they can't afford to look beyond Idaho.
1: I think you guys you guys hit it pretty well on the head there. Idaho's going to have to to stand in there and make some throws. Probably Jermaine Jackson is the guy I would expect to see getting shifted around the formation, trying to find a, a way to get him up against the safety and and hopefully run past Robbie Hauk a few different times.
0: Is Trainer back? Kind of. He like played a little bit last week, right? He had a couple mm-hmm. catches. I only saw him catch it twice.
2: That's because he only had two catches. He only played he for a few snaps. Yeah. Um trainer, it's kinda we've had guys step up in his uh Dallas will stop filibustering in ten seconds. We've had some guys step up in trainer's absence. So at this point, the team does not really seem like they've missed Therese Trainer. Of course, he's a super talented dude. So if he's there, uh that's a that's a guy who could be a difference maker based off what I we've mean, already he's, talked he's
0: about. Sweet. He's I mean, I think he's Idaho's best player if he's healthy.
2: He just hasn't been healthy for more than right. you know two or three snaps the entire season.
1: And, I mean, they do have Michael Graves that's kind of filled in his position a little bit, but Graves only has nine catches. But it seems like just about every catch is like a thirty-yarder. He's just he's a chunk play kind of guy. Um, what something. About
0: what about the freshman Dwyer? Is he back? Knows? We don't
1: believe. We don't believe so. He uh, the last
0: two games, right? He missed was the last year. few games.
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, he he might be the best receiver on the team in you know even next year but a true freshman injured uh, unfortunately probably not going to see him um something you mentioned Coulter, that you know they did not look particularly good against Idaho State that being they being montana the terrifying thing for me that was that Marcus Knight got some run and looked pretty good doing it. obviously one of those was like a he had a, just over 100 yards and half of them were mostly on one run but is Marcus Knight Looking like he's going to be the guy. Is it still going to be Osmo and Harris splitting carries? What's what's kind of the look there? Because if Marcus Knight is healthy, Idaho is very, very, very weak against the run at times, and this this could be a, a rough game for Idaho.
0: Yeah, it's it's so interesting, man. Uh, I think Marcus Knight's a good player. I think Marcus Knight has always been a good player. He's a great athlete. Um, I think that Marcus Knight. In 2019, he was All-American because he scored all of the touchdowns for the Grizzlies. <laughs> but uh, I'm not taking anything away from that. 25 touchdowns is an unbelievable number of touchdowns. I, I always thought that Marcus Knight was a very good running back at the Big Sky Conference level. But at no moment in time was he like a top five running back in the league. He's very good. I thought he was probably the sixth best running back in the league in 2019. And that's in a stacked group of running backs with like guys like Isaiah Fonse from Montana State and Elijah Dodson at Sac State before he transferred over to Colorado, and Josh Davis at Weaver State and Alonzo Gilliam at uh, UC Davis. Okay, so maybe maybe Knight was five right there, you know. But I didn't think he was better than any of those other guys that I just named, and that's not a shot to Marcus Knight all I'm saying though is that uh then in the meantime with Marcus Knight was out they recruited a three-star dude in Xavier Harris who is the real deal. I mean Xavier Harris is their most talented running back. And uh there's been a lot of questions around Grizz Nation like why isn't Knight the feature uh coming off the ACL. And he did have 100 yards rushing at last game and I mean he's been a, a, a featured part of the offense but they seem very dead set on playing a, a three-back offense and and letting uh Harris and Knight both get a lot of carries uh you know, first through third downs and also Oswell being their short yardage guy. So, uh, I mean, to answer your question, I don't think it's necessarily about Marcus Knight. I think it's just about can Montana run the ball. I mean, Montana's run the ball better this year than they have the last couple of years. They're still just, you know, pretty good at it. Either not Montana State or Weaver State. Those teams run the ball incredibly well. Um, but I think that'll, that'll be a matchup to watch because I do think that uh, Idaho's run defense has left something to be desired a little bit. But I do think they have some dudes that can – Great playmakers, and uh Mate has been good running the ball, but not anything crazy. So that's definitely an interesting part of this matchup.
2: The one way I'd I'd slightly adjust the angle about Idaho's rush defense is look against FCS teams, Idaho's giving up less than three yards per rush. There's been moments where it hasn't looked as strong. The bigger issue is just team discipline itself. Like sure. the Northern Colorado game, Idaho should have won that 70 to 14 yeah the only reason northern colorado kept it close was dumb penalties from idaho and blown assignments from idaho in the first half that left the middle of the field wide open montana's the type of team who uh you know freelancing and bailing on the scheme which was look that's what we were told was the issue with idaho was uh line linebackers and and cornerbacks. uh Free, playing instinctually instead of sticking to the scheme and their instinctual play being uh, wrong, which left the field open. Uh, if Idaho's going to have mental lapses like that, if Idaho's going to continue to shoot itself with personal fouls on the defensive side, which this, this team has been chippy defensively, which mostly I like, yeah. but the level of personal fouls mixed with blow, with some blown assignments that just can't happen against Montana. Cause if Idaho is going to be competitive in this game, this is probably not going to be, you know, like a, 42 to 38 fi- final score right. if Idaho stays close. We're probably talking about a game in the, you know, low twenties.
0: For sure. I mean, yeah, Montana, like, you know, I mean, if you take away the, the last five minutes, of the Idaho state game, they've given up what, like three offensive touchdowns this entire year. I mean, they, they didn't even let a team in the red zone during the non-conference. That's a real stat. <laughs> so, I mean, they, they're really 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 good on defense so um you're right I think I gonna have to slug it out that's interesting you mentioned the personal fouls I guess I hadn't uh been attention to that as much that has been an issue that seems like a, a carryover issue right I mean I felt like they got a lot of personal fouls last time they were in Missoula.
1: yeah that's a that's a problem of you have nine years of bad coaching well realistically a whole lot more than nine years of bad coaching you have uh, an institutional problem at this point of just being undisciplined. Uh, It's, I think it's going to take a lot of time to turn that around. Um, We are, we are closing in on, uh, on the 40 minute range. We try to keep these kind of short. Coulter, how's this game going to go? What are you expecting to see? What do you think the score is going to be?
0: Man? I think that, uh, I think Idaho will be able to hang with Montana physically. I, I do think that that's, That's one of the parts of the Idaho uh, sort of culture, regardless of who the head coach has been, that I have been sort of impressed with. It is interesting how there's certain characteristics in athletic departments that sometimes get shared. I I would say that most of the Vandals teams that we cover uh, at Skyline Sports are are tough. I think that that's a defining factor. I think there's a lot of toughness there. Um, You know, maybe that comes from your former AD came from Butte, America. You know, I don't know. but but. Um I think that I think that Idaho will be able to go blow for blow with Montana a little bit just in just within uh the uh you know at the line of scrimmage and and in the in the realm of physicality. But I also think that um Jason Eck better know what he's getting into coming to Missoula, particularly when it comes to special teams, because that's where Bobby Howk just flips the game on its head. You know, it's the little things. Like if you run the same punt protection two times in a row and then you run it a third time you're you're gonna Montana's gonna block it or they're gonna get close to blocking it how's that good at being able to exploit little things like that and when the Grizz harness that momentum they they might I mean sometimes they just play outside their minds and they just score in these crazy flurries. I mean they had a 26 point run against Portland State where they only scored on offense twice they scored on defense and special teams and you know they go for two and get a safety and all of a sudden it's 39 to 14 at halftime and You know, Robbie Houck has a touchdown, and what the hell just happened, you know? So, uh, Idaho's just going to have to weather that part of it as well. And I'm so interested to see how Giovanni McCoy does uh, against the Grizz defense. But I think Montana will be uh, pretty stout across the board. I think that coming off of a bye and and having had a not very great performance to close out that Idaho State game, uh, I bet you last week was not a fun week at practice for the Grizz. And uh, so I think they'll be chopping at the bit. They're just so dang good at home. That style is so hard to handle at home. And with a freshman quarterback, uh, it, I think he's going to have a hard time in the atmosphere. Um, but I, I do think Idaho will hang a little bit. I haven't really even thought what I think the score will be. I think. Have you guys seen a line on this? Do you know what the opening line is?
1: Let me check with our research department, and I'll get back to you.
0: Okay. Well, regardless, I, I mean, I, I do think that Idaho will be able to put up a fight, but I do think Montana will will roll in this game. I think they're, they're just too good at home. And uh, I do think there's a lot to be excited about at Idaho, though.
2: I'm with Coltrane that I think it's going to be a pretty damn tough game. This is for Idaho. Benefit for Idaho of the early season schedule is Montana has neither the best defense nor the best offense that this team has faced. But Montana's pre- – you guys, Montana's just good across the board culture, like you talked about. Um, Idaho's been able to hang in terms of like physicality and being like, we've had the mental lapses, but the team has been much more mentally tough than the last, any team Idaho's had since dropping down in, in 2018. Mm-hmm. So I expect Montana's going to win this game, but I expect it's going to be a game that is still, the result is in doubt well into the fourth quarter. So I'm going to say Montana 24-17 um in a game where Honestly, again, I'm really the thing for me that I'm watching on I for Idaho offensively is how quickly and how com- how comfortable of Jason has Jason Eck become with Giovanni McCoy. Because like you said, Coulter, Montana stops the run. Idaho's offensive line is a relative weakness of of this team. If Idaho's not able to run, which are per per rush stats are not fantastic on season, like 3.9 yards per rush. If Idaho is not able to establish a run, how quickly will we open it up and play a way that we haven't really seen Idaho play for extended periods?
1: For me, this is all about, can Idaho finally put together a full game? Uh, They have not done that. Again, you play who you play. So you have two power five schools. You're not expected to put together four incredible quarters there. Then unfortunately you play a couple of cream puffs in Drake and Northern Colorado, and you you make some mistakes there that are forgivable because you just you out talent them at the end of the day. This game for Idaho is going to come down to can they start converting on third downs a little bit better? Can McCoy continue to not turn the ball over, especially in what might be the hardest environment he's going to see this year? Obviously, uh, playing down in Pullman is tough, but it's also it's a seven minute drive from home. A little bit different than truly going on the road going hours and hours away from Moscow into an environment where there's going to be 26,000 people screaming at you the whole time for that's the, that's the big thing for Idaho for Montana. It's, this is probably going to be the first time I know that the Idaho state was a little close, but this is probably the first time they're going to get punched in the face. How do they react to that? Uh, if this is, if this is the time for this team to show that they are a national championship contender, how do they handle when the rival punches them in the face? And hopefully doesn't roll over midway through the second quarter like Paul Petrino's teams typically did. So um, any last thoughts, gentlemen, uh, on this game, anything that we didn't discuss that you guys wanted to make sure we talked about?
2: Well, first I have to let listeners know, Martin just messaged us in. He had to bail and he came very close to accidentally just killing the broadcast on his way out the door. So Martin, thank you uh, for not doing that. Um, Colter, I'll let you go first. I just have to throw that in.
0: (laughs) Well, I uh, I'm excited for this game. I uh, it's been a crazy fall for us and our travel schedules, and you know I'm the I'm the guy who decides where everybody goes at Skyline Sports, and I somehow put myself on the road the first five weeks of the year. So Saturday would be the first time that I slept uh, in my own bed uh, <laughs> on a Saturday night during football season. So that'll be interesting. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for this game though because I think that. It, it was almost certain the Grizz were going to roll to their first five victories of the year. And uh, now they get a a test. And I think that this is what, you know, watching the conference slate play out. I think it's fun that Idaho's undefeated. I think it's fun that uh, this is a rivalry game that maybe has a little bit of of renewed energy because of Jason Eck's presence there. And uh, I do think that Eck, uh, if he can settle in, I think he'll be ready to roll because I do think he's a great offensive coach. I think they'll have a plan. So I, I just I think this is going to be a fun game on Saturday, and uh, it's the first Grizz game that I've been – I've been excited to cover a couple of the Cat games because they've had better uh, opponents or interesting matchups uh, thus far, You know, particularly UC Davis and Eastern Washington were at least a little bit intriguing. And uh, this is the first Grizz game I've been excited for, so I think it'll be a fun one on Saturday.
1: There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC.
2: Sorry, I was waiting to see if Brian had a reaction. No, um, I mean, look, what... What Coulter's talking about now, this isn't this isn't a matchup thing. Um, I, I will say from the vandal end mm-hmm. this this season has just it's been all excitement and yeah. like all energy in a way that we haven't had since dropping down. And this is going be this is going to be the first time heading into Montana. There are real expectations for the team. But from my end, this doesn't feel like a burden because, look, Montana still is the class of the FCS. This is more to me an opportunity for Idaho. Um, Idaho, look, their ceiling right now is probably fringe playoff team. Uh, yeah. If things break well for Idaho, there's a potential fifth team in the big sky in the big sky making the playoffs where you don't get a buy in the first round. This, to me, uh, from the Idaho end, is finally playing. You know the top end big FCS teams. I want just seeing how Idaho reacts to the different times that look Dallas talked about Idaho, punching Montana in the mouth. Montana is going to punch Idaho in the mouth a few times this game. We know that offensively. I've already talked about that. Uh, we haven't talked about that with you Coulter. One of the biggest things that people are stoked about with this Idaho coaching staff is defensive coordinator, Rob Orich. Yeah. And the schematic changes with mostly the same dudes from last year that have yielded radically different results, specifically in the secondary, where for, last season idaho's one of the worst secondaries in the big sky picked off two passes the entire season this and forced eight turnovers as a team the entire season this team's already forced 10 turnovers so idaho how how idaho responds to getting punched in the mouth from montana and whether idaho defensively can force the turnovers like they have throughout this season is i guess another you might call it a key to the game to me because idaho Idaho, at this point, does not have the depth Montana has, especially up front, both defensively and offensively, which means the Vandals have to make some stuff go right the way Montana typically does. Coulter, your examples, of course, of like scoring defensive and special team touchdowns are a version of that. Idaho's been able to do that in most of their games this season. Whether defensively we can force a touchdown, force enough turnovers – to uh, maybe at least have some doubt creep into Montana is, I guess, the last thing I'm paying attention to because this de- defensively, I know ha- though we've had the disciplinary issues we talked about, the team absolutely is still made place on that side of the ball, and they're going to have to to keep this game close.
1: All right, gentlemen, I could not find our, our excuse me, our research department could not find a line, could not mm-hmm. find a spread. I mean, there's there there's, none,
0: there's none on the the Montana sports books yet. Um, so I, I think that means that it's a close line and they don't want any action on it yet. so they're just uh, not releasing it. so that's interesting. I, I think I guess the last point I'd make is that uh, like I've said on my ESPN radio show, uh, talent and toughness have been far down the list uh, of Idaho's issues since they came back to the Big Sky conference. And uh, if you come to Montana this year and, you know, it's a lopsided loss because because of like Montana's just better than you, if you have a good effort and you hang a little bit, then I think that's a good step for Ido. It's, it's more like when they would just melt down and beat themselves or they would just reflect Paul Petrino melting down and beat themselves, uh, that – that was tough to watch because they did have some talented teams. So uh, just, just the mentality of the team, I think they could build a lot off of this. I mean, if they are going to be a fringe playoff team, they're going to lose three or four games. So if you just have a good effort in this game, it, it can give you some confidence moving forward down the rest of your uh, – down to the second half of your schedule.
1: All right, guys. Score predictions. Brian, we're going to go to you first. 24-17,
2: like I already said. Coulter. Um. Montana wins
1: 24-17.
0: Yeah, man, I'm going
1: to say 35-14, Montana. Ooh, I'm going to go 28-24, Montana. I just don't think this is the year. 2023, Vandals. Circle the calendar right now. Little Brownstein comes back to Moscow 2023, and it doesn't leave the Kibby Dome. This is not the year, but next year just might be. That was Around the Bar brought to you by Hughes River Expedition. Colter, thank you so much for joining us. Would you like to hang around and join us for Big Sky Pick'ems?
0: It's unfortunately past my bedtime, guys, but I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much, and uh, send me the file. We'll put it up on Skyline Sports, too, but thanks for having me, man, and I, uh, I'm excited that there's a little juice uh, back in the rivalry and excited for you guys because uh, just on a personal level, I really like Coach Jack, and I think he's going to do a great job there. So, um, Congratulations. You got You got a coach that cares about the fans. I know Montana fans could only be so lucky. (laughs) Shots fired at the end of the podcast, but I appreciate you having
1: me, guys. Always a pleasure, Coulter. Thank you again.